Welcome to the Parsha Perspective. Each week, we will delve deep in a weekly Torah portion to find a practical and insightful way to enhance your daily life. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Shalom Yamini. Each week, we will look into the weekly Torah portion to find inspiration that will complement your daily life and intensify your connection to God. This week's Torah portion is Parshas Shemais. The Torah will now begin to tell us the story of the Jewish nation's slavery and subsequent departure from the land of Egypt. Our Parsha starts off by giving us some context to the Jewish people's situation at that time. Yosef and all his brothers had passed on, and now a new Pari had become king over Egypt who did not want to acknowledge Yosef or any of his accomplishments. As the Jewish nation began to prosper and flourish, the new ruler became fearful of their growing numbers and resolved to find a solution to his Jewish problem. His strategy was to burden the Jewish people with so much work that they would have no time to have more children. However, Hashem had a different plan. As the Pesach says, As much as the Egyptians would afflict them, so did they multiply and grow in strength. However, when Pari realized that his plan was not working, he commanded that all the newborn baby boys were to be thrown into the Nile River. So when Maishu Rabinu was born, his mother put him in a small waterproof basket and set him afloat on the Nile River under the watchful eyes of his oldest sister, Miriam. Pare's daughter, Batya, happened to be in the river as Maisha was drifting by, so she stretched out her arm and took hold of the basket. When she saw there was a baby boy inside, she understood that he was there because of her father's evil decree and decided to raise him as her own child. When Maisha grew older, he began to venture out of the palace and saw the pain and agony that the Jewish people were undergoing. Once, Maisha saw an Egyptian hit another Jew and he decided he could stand by no longer as his brothers and sisters were suffering. So Maisha said God's holy and secret 72-letter name, instantly killing the Egyptian. When Maisha's deed was told back to Pare, he fled to Midian to escape Pare's wrath. When Maisha finally settled in the land of Midian, he married Sipira, the daughter of Yisroi, and took the job of tending to his father-in-law's cattle. Once, while following the lone sheep, he saw the famous burning bush, and as he came closer, the voice rung out and told him to take off his shoes as he was standing on holy ground. Hashem then told Moshe to return back to Egypt and lead the Jewish people to the Promised Land. When Moshe returned back to the land of Egypt, he met up with his oldest brother Aaron, and together they went to go see Pari. When he demanded that the Jewish people be released, Pari replied by making the Jewish people work even harder than before. They would now have to collect their own straw to make bricks, but also need to have the same level of productivity as before. A question comes to mind. When Moshe and Aaron went before Pari and told him their request, he replied to them by saying, Moshe and Aaron, why are you disturbing these people from their work? Go to your own work. There are many people on the land working. Why are you stopping them from doing their labor? What is Pari insinuating by differentiating Moshe and Aaron's work from the Jewish people's labor? Rashi explains that in fact Moshe and Aaron's work was different than the rest of the Jewish people's labor. Because Pari allowed Shevet Levi, the tribe of Levi, to learn Torah instead of doing backbreaking work like the rest of the nation. And since Moshe and Aaron were from the tribe of Levi, they were not forced to work. And when Pari replied to them, go back to your own work and stop disturbing the rest of the nation, he meant that they should go back to learning Torah and let the rest of the Jewish nation do as they were doing before. 
the Lubavitcher Rebbe explains that what Pari was really telling Moshe and Aaron was that you, Moshe and Aaron, are okay. Both of you are not the ones who are working. So then why are you complaining? Go back to studying the Torah, for you are not the ones who are being harmed in this situation. However, Moshe was a true leader, and he understood that even though he was not being hurt at this time, he could not stand idly by as long as even one Jew was in pain. Moshe Rabbeinu demonstrated how to manifest the consequential concept of Kol Yisrael Arevim Zeh Bazeh, that all the Jewish people are responsible for each other. So that even if one Jew is not okay, the entire nation is not okay. This is why the Lubavitch Rebbe sent emissaries to strengthen Judaism all over the globe. Because even if one Jew does not have a relationship with God, the ultimate redemption will not occur, heaven forbid. For our souls are intrinsically connected. So that even if one person is lacking in their connection with God, we are all lacking in our relationship with Hashem. In our daily life, it is imperative that we understand that the Jewish nation is inherently connected. Hence, the physical and spiritual future of the Jewish people lies in every Jewish person's hand. Therefore, we must be kind and compassionate towards one another, even if the other person is not deserving of such kindness. And we cannot stand still when we know a person requires assistance. And when we do offer our help, we must do so in a kind, compassionate, and discreet manner. For that will bring closer the ultimate redemption. There's a great quote that I once heard. Even the weak are strong when they are united. Have a great weekend and good Shabbos. Thank you for tuning in to The Parsha Perspective. Check out our website, theparshaperspective.com. Send thoughts and comments to theparshaperspective at gmail.com. Till next time, thanks for listening.